You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, good morning, everybody. So I want to ask one quick question. Maybe a couple quick questions, but start with one. Have you ever have you ever had a moment in your life when you've just felt something shift and you know something was gonna be better? I know we've had plenty of times in our life where we've done something and we went, oh boy, that's gonna be bad, right? But have you ever had just had a one moment, just something you can just fall back on, you can pinpoint, and you're like, that just got me over the hump. That one thing. If you look in the life of Peter, and, and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go through Acts two, a little bit of Acts 2 today, but I was just looking through the life of Peter. And because a lot of times, um, as, as, as Christians and as teachers and as sermons and as all these different things as we come together, we like to focus on a lot of the things Peter did wrong. He denied, he sunk in the water, you know, all these things. Those are good stories, and they lead us, uh, and they lead us because they show us, you know, when we when we don't listen to what God has to say for us, or, or or follow what Jesus has to say for us, we sink. All right, it's pretty simple. But I think I want to go another direction with Peter today. I want to just point you, well, how Peter got over the hump, stayed over the hump, and just kept going. And Acts two is a perfect example of that. Acts two is when Peter gets baptized. And filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you see Peter starting in Acts 2.5 is a new man. And you know who he is? If you read through the, that book of Acts, that first part, he's a, he's a mirror image of Jesus. Jesus. He's preaching the same things that Jesus preached. You people, I came to, to save you from your sins. I came to fulfill the covenant. I came to do all these things. And you guys are rejecting me. And even tells his people, and they're going to kill me. And then, and then Peter comes along there in Acts 2 after getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, you guys rejected Jesus. You crucified him. And I'm here to tell you that he was the Messiah. And he came here to change your life. Same message. Different person. Paul picks up the mantle. John picks up the mantle. Look at 2,000 years later. I look out at this church. We should all have that mantle. We should all be Peter. We should all be Paul. We should be John. We should be preaching the gospel of the good news. If you look through Acts 2, and you go back and read it, because I know a lot of you will go back and read it again, there's like 10 things in there that I was like, that's amazing. This is a new person. This is a new guy. And it wasn't because he tried harder, or he just tried to do stuff better. It was because he had a supernatural experience with Papa God. He was, the Holy Spirit came upon him, filled him up, and he was a new man. And I look out here at, at this church, and I see many people that have been inspirational in, in the growth of this church and in my life, and I know why. Because they've been led by the Holy Spirit. They went here because the Holy Spirit said to go here. They said this to me because the Holy Spirit told them to say this. And the thing is, when you become a born-again Christian, it's your first step. We can see that in, in different parts of, of, the, of the New Testament. And I'll, and I'll read some of those scriptures where Jesus said, you need to confess the Lord. You need to confess. 
And when they did, it opened up the opportunity for that later date in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit came and fell on them and filled them up. And then they took it to another level. Who's going to watch the Super Bowl today? I am. I tell you what, the winning team, like the two quarterbacks, Brady and Ryan, whoever wins this game, I, uh, someone, if you watch ESPN, that's going to be on like 47 days in a row, they're going to talk about it, right? And to nauseam. They're going to say, whoever wins, whoever wins, they're going to say, well, Brady really stepped up today, he took it to another level. Or Matt Ryan, he really stepped up and he took it to another level. What does that mean? He just, he was in a different, he was in the zone. So it's like Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he was in the zone. And the thing is, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't go out of the zone. You're in the zone. You just choose whether you want to work and walk and live and preach and teach and, and worship in the zone. It's a choice after that. It's a choice to get born again. It's a choice to get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a choice to live in that anointing. Because you're all anointed. You all have the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, living in you. You have the chance to, to just allow that anointing to be released from you. Don't sell yourself short. You know? Step in to what God has for you. So there's about 10 things. The first evidence of it, and I got it on your sheet there in the bulletins. The first evidence of it is pretty simple. Peter simply waited. He waited on the Lord. Jesus came to the, these guys and he, he met with them after they were after he had died, and he, and he kept telling them, I'm going to go away. And eventually in Acts 1, he says, I'm leaving. You need to just wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Something good's going to happen to you. You know? So Acts 2 says, 2-1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from a, heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amazing. In John 20, 22, it says that he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he had already told them. You know, in John 22, 20, 22, before that, he's like, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, did they receive it? I don't know. I would hope so. I'm sure there was a few people there that said, this is strange. But he, he, he gave him the opportunity. He said, so he had, he had started laying the groundwork for what we see here in Acts 2. And that first evidence was that they began to speak in other tongues. And remember, Jesus does what he says he's going to do. That's what, that's what I got out of this scripture. He said, wait, and I'll show up. I talked to Pastor Jeff about this. I talked to Jason. And I thought that they waited 10 days from the time that he said to wait until the Holy Spirit fell. But when I did some more research, they waited seven days, give or take. Jesus dies on and around Passover. He's raised three days later. He's on earth for 40 days. That's 43 days, right, Dave? He died on, and then, he, then the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. So you're figuring, set, let's call it seven days, right? That's a good number in the Bible. Seven days. They waited seven days. In a room, 120 of them. I wonder how many people bailed on them. You think they all made it? I'm going to say, I hope so. But what if they waited five days? Man, I got stuff to do. I got to go catch some fish. 
You know, I got to go play. Jesus said, wait. And so they waited. And they were rewarded. And so the first thing that Peter did was he waited. You know, sometimes you just need to wait on the Lord. And when, when God speaks to you and he says, you know what, you don't need to go there. You just need to wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. It's not mean twiddling your thumbs. You know, you know I'm going to go home and twiddle my thumbs today and watch the Super Bowl. I mean, I know you'll show up if I, if, but, you know, that's like seven hours of nothing sometimes, the Super Bowl. That's not what they were doing. You know, if you read in Acts 1, Peter talks to, you know, he says, we need to get some stuff done. And he, and he does talk a little bit about scripture and how we're going to get new disciples and things like that. But they didn't wait. Just lying around. They had some anticipation. And that's the thing, when God speaks to you, you have some patience and wait on him sometimes. The second thing, Peter spoke boldly and with confidence. It says that in verse 14. But Peter standing, stood up with the other guys, his teammates, he lifted up his voice and he addressed them. Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known and give ear to my words. How many times have you heard that in the Bible? Listen to my words. This is Peter talking now. For people are not as drunk, these people are not drunk as you suppose. He says they're not full of wine. Because they'd been, they'd been speaking in tongues and these, some of these people had mocked them. Remember there were thousands of people in that town that day for Pentecost. It was full of everybody from all over the world. And here's the guy who stood up and addressed people. A guy who had ran before, he had denied before, he was fearful before, he was full of unbelief. All the things we know about Peter, right? Peter went like this, and then he crashed and burned. He went like this, then he crashed and burned at times. But he, he wasn't this time. And what did he do before? He was trying to do things on his own strength. But this time, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had something new in him and about him. He had been endued with power from on high. And he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, this was Peter's call in his life. He just didn't stand there and stand up on these guys because he just felt something. I'm sure he did feel something. But it just wasn't like, yeah, maybe I should say something. He knew that God had prepared him for this. And Jesus had said, I'm going to fill you up. And, and then all of a sudden, these people start mocking a little bit. And, Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit, who just landed and filled him, gives him this unction. Time to get up and speak, Peter. And what does he do? With his new power, he gets up and he addresses the people. It's amazing to me. These are people who, who just crucified, a lot of them, his friend Jesus. And then there was a bunch of different people from all over the world. But remember, this was Peter's call in his life. Earlier in Matthew 16, we see that Peter confesses Jesus as Christ. When Jesus asks him, who do you say I am? And they give him a bunch of reasons. Oh, you're Elijah. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're this. Some people th say you're that. And Jesus, and, and, and Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? This is huge right here. Verse 16, Acts. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he goes on to say, the Holy Spirit told you that, blessed. And then he goes to say, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. There's two great lessons in, the, in that scripture. One is, Peter's name actually means rock, right? So that's good. He's, so he, he's basically saying, Peter, I'm going to use you to start my big church here on earth. 
to spread the gospel. But we know people die, so it's like if, if he was just going to use Peter only, and Peter dies, then where do we go from here? But you've got to look at the, what he says in verse 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, that is the solid rock that the church of Jesus Christ is, is founded on. It's our confession that Jesus is Lord. That is the rock. Peter the rock, the natural. The confession of our faith, the rock, the supernatural. That's what that is. So he gives us two things. A lot of times we skip by and just say, yeah, Peter, he's the rock. And, and he built the whole church. But that, true. You need people to build a church. You need people to preach the message. But it's that confession of faith that is the solid rock of our foundation. In John, in John 21, we see that Peter was restored by Jesus. Remember this story? After he's, uh, he's uh, been resurrected, they're down at the waterfront, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the other guy said, yeah, well, I guess we'll go with you too. What else are we going to do now? Our life is turned upside down, you know? So they go in the water, and Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he says, Cast the net on the right side of the boat. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it all in. And when they did this, they didn't even know that was Jesus. It says in that scripture. So the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard this, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself in the sea. Check that out. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net. And then when they got there, they saw the charcoal fire with fish laid out on it. Get that, fish laid out on it. And Jesus said to them, bring me some fish. I was talking to Jason. Like, this, is my, this is how my mind works. They saw fish laid out on it. He's cooking fish for them. But then Jesus says, bring me some fish. Why? Then he says to them, you need to go back to the boat and get some fish. I'm going to cook you breakfast. I'm thinking, but you already got fish there, Jesus. Why do they need, what's going on here? And so it was this great theological question I asked Jason, and he said, well, let's just let them chew on that one for the week. Get some answers. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, I, I, I'm not going to try to get too deep on this, but it's like, it, it, to me, it's like, Jesus has already provided. And they said, and he, they put their net back in the water, and they catch 153 fish. And to me, it's like, those fish were pointless in the story because he had already provided for them. All Peter needed to do was leap out the boat and get to shore, and the Lord's going to feed them. That's what I'm thinking. And so, as I go forward on there, it's like, and then, when you, then as you look, look through there, he, this is, he says this great thing to them. When they finished breakfast, Simon says, uh, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. Then he goes on to say, feed my lambs. And then he says, do you love me? Jesus says to him again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend to my sheep. Then he says, finally, do you love me? Peter was grieved and he says, feed my sheep. And after that, he said, follow me. You know, we, we, we talk about those three denials that, that Peter had. And here he covers them with three, rest, three things of restoration. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? No rejection at all. You know, I think of, I think of Jesus on the beach when they've gone back to fishing and he's sitting there cooking over the camp stove and, and if it was, it was just me on the beach and it was the disciples out there and I'd see them go, in my natural flesh, he'd be like, what are you guys doing out there? You know, be all angry with them and saying, you blew it. 
You should be, you should be fishing for men, which I talked to you about. But Jesus is so nice, and he, and, and he restores us so wonderfully that he just says, come on in, I'll feed you. We'll have communion, because he gives them fish and bread. And then, and then he restores Peter personally, and then he says, come follow me. The same thing he said to them way back in, early on in their ministry. He just said, drop your nets and follow me. And the one thing I really liked about, about it is that he, because we've always been that old fisherman, if you know what I mean. We always go back to our comfort zone, and we hide from the calling that Jesus has for us. You know, Matthew 16, before Jesus was crucified, he claimed he was going to use Peter. And that, call, that calling did not change because of Peter's doubt. Think about that. God's got a call in your life. And if you doubt and you run, the calling doesn't change. It doesn't. Every one of you here today is here for a reason. And you have a calling on your life. And the calling does not change because you doubt or you run. It's still there. Your anointing, your ministry, may just be, I always use this analogy, a 180 away. You know what a 180 is? It's like when you turn from here to there. I started skateboarding in 1975. I'm not a skateboarder, but I got a skateboard in 1975. And it was this plastic thing and it had metal wheels on it. And some of the big kids in the neighborhood could do a 180 on it. You know simply what a 180 is? They take their board and they just flip it and they go back that way. And we were just blown away. Whoa! You watch the X Games now? The guys are 20 feet above the ramp doing 1120s or whatever they call them, 1080s and flips. They must look back at us doing the 180 and go, seriously? But it's a simple analogy. The reason why you did a 180 on the board is because you just wanted to go back and go the other direction. And that's all we have to do as a Christian. Your anointing's on you. The Holy Spirit's still in you. You're still a child of God. Do the 180 and head back in his direction. I look around here and see people here. That's all they did in their life. They tried and tried and tried to get it right, and they failed and failed and failed until finally they said, why don't I just go in God's direction and go with him? And just simple 180. And I love that Peter leaped at the chance to get back in his presence. He dove out of the boat. You ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? There's a, there's a scene in Forrest Gump where Forrest is out in his shrimping boat and he's trying to catch shrimp, right? And he comes cruising by the pier and there's Lieutenant Dan sitting in his chair. And what does Forrest do? Does he steer it into the place? He's so happy to see Lieutenant Dan, his mentor, the guy that really loved Forrest, he just dove out of the boat, right? I swim like Forrest a little bit when I swim. I try to go. And he heads to shore. He gets up on the pier and he's like, what are you doing here, Lieutenant Dan? He's like, well, if you, you know. And then all of a sudden the boat goes crashing in. And he goes, you know, there's my boat. And that's how, that's how Peter was at the time. He's like, John says, it's the Lord. And Peter goes, Whew. jumps right back in and, and swims. And that's what you got to do. Just leap back in there. And how many times have we just tried to stick our toe in the water? Ah, that's pretty cold. I don't want to get in there. Ah, that's too deep. I might sink. Peter just leaped. He leaped at a chance to get back in the presence of the Lord. Another thing that happened in Acts 2 is if you can see that the Holy Spirit brought Scripture to Peter's remembrance. 
And I wrote my own little note there for such a time as this. Because our whole life is filled with for such a time as this. If you're, if you're a Christian and you, and, you, and you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you get into the Word, He'll bring it to your remembrance. And it'll just pop up someday and you'll be like, man, I needed that Word for such a time as this. The whole, your whole life will be a, for such a time as this. We've tried to do so many things on our own and, and, and try to figure out stuff on our own and God says, I got a Word for you. I actually got a whole book of words for you. And Peter, and Peter started remembering scripture. And so his whole life, there's three of them in, in Acts 2. And he quotes Joel, first one he quotes is Joel 28, 32. And it says this in Acts 2, 16. He says, and in the last day God declares that I will pour out my flesh on you. This is Peter talking. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young man shall, shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. He's saying for everybody, I will pour out my spirit. And here's a kicker right here. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How does it say we get saved? Call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. He's quoting scripture. The guy that ran, that sank. This so-called uneducated fisherman, filled with the Holy Spirit, starts using scripture to defend Jesus and defend the cause for Christ. That's all you got to do as a Christian. It's not your opinion. It's like, what does the scripture say? That's what I believe. And if you believe what the scripture says and you stand on that, God is going to anoint you in whatever problem, whatever issue that comes into your life. Stand on the word. He goes on to say in Psalms uh, in Acts 25 to 28, which is uh, a quote from uh, Psalm 16. He says, and I'll just finish with it. It says, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or to hell or let, or let the Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make full of gladness with your presence. So Peter is now quoting scripture to defend Christ. That's amazing to me because he had been filled with the Holy Spirit I'm sure he'd been in the Word because all these kids are educated in the Word. I mean, how many people read Scripture? Have you, ever, have you ever read the Bible in a year? Okay, then you go back and try to think what it said in like Second Chronicles 1, and you're like in, you know, John? It's, it's hard. But for some reason, here's Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the reason, is quoting Scripture to defend the cause of Christ. That's what he'll do to you. Number four, I love this song because I'm a mouthpiece. He says, you will become the mouthpiece of Jesus and for Jesus. You will defend him. That's what you'll do. It says, men of Israel, hear these words. This is verse 22 in Acts 2. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. So, these guys are standing up, mocking the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're mocking these guys who are were speaking in tongues. And Peter gets up, speaks boldly, and then he becomes the mouthpiece, mouthpiece for Christ. What are we a mouthpiece for right now? I wrote down a couple things. Are we, are, are we a mouthpiece for the Democrats, the Republicans, our own agenda? Or are you a mouthpiece, mouthpiece for Christ? Peter became that guy. This is the only time in the world that you want to be that guy. Have you ever been somewhere where a guy's really annoying and you're like, who is that guy? You know? And, but Peter was now that guy. 
That's a good thing. You want to be that guy. We are little Christ, so we should speak like Christ. We should speak God's language and what his written word says concerning our victory. That's what Peter did. Doubt and fear is not the language you have, and sickness and disease is not what God speaks. Peter had a whole new language now. And when you read through the book of Acts, his language that he was speaking not only changed his life, it began to go out and change other people's lives. Physically and spiritually, his words change. Being filled with the Holy Spirit builds your confidence. It builds your trust. It builds your courage to speak out about the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit will bring forth words from your mouth to build you up. That's praying in tongues. To prophesy, that's to build up others, speak a good word over somebody. And the Bible verses to confirm the truth. What does God's word say about this? Well, let's, let's see. Number five, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter reminded the people of who Jesus was and why he came. We just saw that. He pointed them to scripture and to the truth. He reminded them that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior of, of mankind. And that's all we have to do. Who is this Jesus you speak of? Well, let me tell you. He came, he died, he rose again. Here's a, you don't have to be a biblical scholar just telling them who Jesus was. Nobody denies Jesus. They just deny the fact, some, some religions, that he was the Savior of all mankind. And he was our Messiah. The sixth thing, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will preach with confidence. Now, people say, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You're a teacher, you're a preacher, you're an evangelist. You're all those giftings. I believe every one of us filled with the Holy Spirit possesses those things. And like what he says in verse 29 of Acts 2, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. He says it right there. I may say to you with confidence. He's not hiding. Remember Peter, when he was, the night Jesus was taken away, some girl comes up to him and says, hey, that guy knows Jesus. No, I don't. He runs. Now here's a guy standing up in front of all these thousands of people, including some of the same people that, that killed Jesus, and he say, I say to you boldly. He's calling them on the carpet with boldness. I love it. See, if you, if, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have confidence. You will stand tall on the battlefield. Okay? That's what Peter was doing. He was in a battlefield right there. He had to defend Christ, and he was doing a really good job of it. And then here's the kicker that we forget sometimes. You will also stand out and stand tall among believers. You will teach them. So you're going to lead people to Christ as a Christian? You're going to lead someone to Christ? That's not your jumping off point. He's also going to anoint you to teach the believers as well. Let me ask you this one question. How come some of us aren't teaching Bible study or small group or Sunday school? Are you scared? I don't know anything. You know more than most people. If you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and you ask him for help, he will anoint you. The three-year-olds won't drive you crazy. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. But he will anoint you. Don't sell yourself short. What's different from Peter than you and me? There's nothing if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. They always go back to it. He's just an uneducated fisherman. No, he's not. He's the smartest man alive at that point to me because he's filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing God to work in his life. And those other guys are blown away by it. They're like, who is this guy? Oh yeah, he's been with Jesus. Bam. 
He's been with Jesus, and now he's filled with Jesus. And he's preaching the word of God. Acts 4 says this. And now when they saw, Acts 4, 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were an educated man. Their minds are thinking, who are these clowns? And he says, and then they go on to say, they, but they were astonished, and they'd recognized that he'd been with Jesus. <laughs> God's super, on well, Peter's natural, he looks like a genius. The Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius. He will. He'll give you the right words to say, and he'll prepare you not to say the wrong words anymore. Remember when Jesus stood up in the temple in Luke 4? He spoke the word of God, and their thought was, is this not just Joseph's son? But they were amazed by what he was saying because he was speaking the word of God. Is this not Mark? The old washed-up hockey player? What's he doing preaching the word? Is that Leslie, the old washed-up basketball player? She not preaching the word? You know? No, it's not. That's a son, a daughter of the, of the Most High God, preaching the word, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us courage to evangelize. The Holy Spirit will convict the unbeliever. It's what he, what he did there. Peter anointed, Peter's anointed word, it says, caused them to poke their hearts. Acts 2.37 says, it cut to their heart. So these unbelievers are there, and he's preaching the word to them, and they're like, oh, whoa, I get it. And then what did they say to him? Brothers, what shall we do? Isn't that amazing? He gives us, when, when you preach the word, because peop, God uses people, the Holy Spirit will take your words and land them on an unbeliever's heart and cause a heart change. If they receive that, that's great. But the word, when you preach the word, is going to cause someone's heart to go, Whoa. what was that? And that's what he did. And what did these people do? They had a heart change or something poked the heart because they said, we want what Peter's got. What do we do? You can do that. We can do that. He's using Peter, a man, to preach the word. It's the Holy Spirit right through him, preaching it. The Holy, the Holy Spirit will show the unbeliever who they are a child of the devil, and need of some help. The Holy Spirit shows the believer who they are in Christ and points them back to the word and their secured position in the kingdom of heaven. That blesses me so much. The devil will say this to you. Remember who you were. Don't forget it. The Holy Spirit tells us who we are and never brings up the past again. The Holy Spirit will reveal the good news to us and let us preach it. He's the voice of truth. I said that to Cass this morning. I'm like, who sings that song? And I'm like, it's Casting Crowns. And we started singing it. And, and our granddaughter, Ricky's with us. She's like, okay. <laughs> but it's the voice of truth. This is who you were, Zach. That's the enemy. This is who you are now, Zach. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's what, it's night and day. You are righteous because you are in Christ. There's three definitions of righteousness. Right standing with God. Standing before God as though you've never sinned. Standing before the Father with nothing hanging over your head anymore. Can you receive that, people? Number eight, the Holy Spirit through man will tell people how to get saved. Brothers, what shall we do? Well, it's a funny thing you ask, Peter says. He says you need to, re you need to repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls himself. So he's, he's preaching to people there who are coming from far off. So it's a physical thing, right? He's preaching to people who, in our society today, who are far off. You're out there. You've run from God. So I believe he's preaching to you today. And then we are the far off because this is 2,000 years ago and he's preaching the word to the people who are far off down the road and who are going to come behind us far off down the road. There's a lot of meat in that right there. He says repent and confess Jesus. You've got to remember baptism is, is not, uh, I want to get this right, is not a form of salvation. I had it written down so I didn't get it wrong. It's, it's not a means to salvation. It's a response to your salvation. He says, you confess Jesus and hop in the river. Your confession of your faith is getting you saved. When you hop in the river and get baptized, you're just telling everybody, I'm with Jesus. That's why we get baptized. Number nine, the Holy Spirit will lead us to salvation and cause a heart change and to choose Jesus and then you will lead people through salvation. That's probably a bunch of Editions of everything. You get saved, you get filled, then you lead people to the Lord. Verse 41, so those who received his word, remember, and there were, they were added to that about 3,000 people that day. Think about that. 3,000 people. How many have we got in here today? 250? Can you imagine 3,000 people? Peter and his, and his buddies are there in a in a town full of people from all over the world. We know there was people from all over the world because they showed you in, in, in the beginning of Acts 2 there of all the people that were there, right? 3,000 people heard his word, which he preached the word. They said, how do we do this, brother? And he says, funny you should ask. This is what you need to do. They said, we're in. And they, and they, they joined the kingdom of God. That's exactly what happened. If I could write a Bible, it'd be about... 47 pages long because I would just condense it down to Mark words. All right? That's what he told them there. And they were added in numbers in that day. It's amazing to me. One simple act of obedience to wait on the Lord. Father God, Jesus himself said, I'm leaving. You go wait. You will not be disappointed. And that's what Father God's saying to you today. If you come into my kingdom as a child of God, I will send the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. I will even baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and I will keep filling you up as many times as you ask. You will not be disappointed. How many people in their life have ever been disappointed by another person? Everybody. Father God and the Holy Spirit have never disappointed anybody. We should just put our trust in him and allow him to work in our lives. When we let the Holy Spirit in our lives and lead us, and this is what happened in, 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 uh, at the end of Acts here. I forgot to read that scripture. It says in Acts 2, 42 through 47, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all who believed were together in all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Who wants to have favor with all the people? And the Lord added to their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. Do you know what he said? Basically, they, that was the church. They had a church family now, right? 
And that's the thing is I can, I can add to my own life. When we let the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will want to go to church. We'll want to study. We'll want to pray. We'll want to help others. We'll want to serve. Just like those people in the first day with Peter. See, I hate to miss church. Last week I went on a youth trip. It was awesome with, with junior high kids. It was so much fun. We learned about Jesus. We went sledding. It was a great time. But you know what? Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, I'm like, I miss church. There was a point in my life where I hated church. I didn't want to go. And one day Cassie says to me, I'm going to church. And I was like, huh? And she went. And then the next weekend I went. And it was a struggle for me. But I heard the word. I rejected the word. I heard the word. I received the word. I got born again. I thought this church is pretty awesome. I'm going to go to church. I started meeting people that weren't really that weird. Right? I didn't look at Jim this time. But you know what? One day I was driving down the, the, the road in my, my pickup truck. And I just said, Father God, there's more. And he just, I just felt this rush of the Holy Spirit. I just, my words just came out of my mouth. I didn't know what they were. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, from that moment on, it was like, I'm not missing church. I was coaching hockey at the time, and I would just, whatever, whenever we played, we played. Sunday, whatever, right? You can ask anybody here. There was three years I coached high school hockey. We didn't have one Sunday game. I told people, I'm coaching this team. We're not playing Sunday. Why? I got to be at church. They're like, what? It's a heart change. But it's when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit that just things started illuminating to me. My testimony's great, but you know what? Everybody has a testimony in here. And your testimony is just this one thing. What has God done in your life? Your testimony is not all the garbage that you had to drag around for your whole life. Your testimony is, this is what God did in my life. Do you know what we just read in Acts 2? Peter's testimony. A new man changed by the God's word. A new man changed by the filling of the Holy Spirit. A new man who preached the word with boldness. And thousands of people got saved. You read Acts 3, what happens? He goes to the beautiful gate. He picks up this lame guy. And he says, be healed in the name of Jesus. And this guy had never walked his whole life. Boom. Everything's perfect. That's not very far removed from when he was running from, from people. A couple months ago. I preached myself happy again, Jim. I had one more thing I wanted to say, and then I'm done, Jason, because I'm cooking here, literally under these lights. <laughs> Let me ask you this one question, and I'm done. How many Peters we got here today? A storm shows up, and we buckle like a $2 chair. It doesn't have to be that way. Our, hand, our answer, if your answer has always been, that's just life, we're only human, that's a failing call in the life of the unbeliever. How about claiming this? I'm a child of God. I'm spirit-filled. I have resurrection life. That's the battle cry of a spirit-filled believer. Peter led. He lived. He healed. He saved. He preached. He understood. He withstood and was brave and determined. And he changed the world, all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The same living God that was in Peter is available for you and us. The same anointing is on you. The book of Acts shows us Peter's total transformation, his complete redemption, his new and powerful anointing, and we see Peter taking revelation the Holy Spirit has imparted in him and then powerfully stepping out with wisdom and revelation for everybody in earshot. We are the next in line to get the job done. 
to further the kingdom of God. So who's up for that? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you what you're doing in our life. We thank you that you've empowered us with the Holy Spirit to get things done. We thank you that you came and you died and you rose again. That when we confess you as Lord, we become your child. We enter the kingdom. And Father God, for those who are, who are, are seeking more, Father God, that you would just give them a new understanding of who they are, that you would just drop the Holy Spirit on them right now mightily, Father God. And when they go home tonight and they're laying in bed and they say, Father God, I need an answer, that you would just show up mightily in their life in the person of the Holy Spirit. And we just praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.